and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the debut album from Valley Queen entitled Supergiant, and it starts out like this. Silver Tongue is a wonderful introduction to the album, maybe almost a little too wonderful. I really like how it starts where it almost sounds like this kind of generic power pop. And then the voice of lead singer Natalie Carroll comes in and lets you know, nope, what you thought this was is not what it is. And we're going to be going someplace very different. Um, And then even over the course of the song, it starts off with this very kind of straightforward driving structure and by the end the drums which are kind of thunk 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 by the end are getting very playful the entire instrumentation kind of breaks apart and and it's a nice way to say we'll start you off easy and by the end we're really going to open your mind well as another way of subverting expectations i think it you know they've gotten valley queen has gotten compared to fleetwood mac and i get that on the later songs there's kind of this 70s golden rock vibe and then her beautiful soaring almost unhinged voice but this song is very different with it starting out with the crunchy guitar and as you said sounding almost like it's going to be a power pop song so it's a good way to set you up for not being sure what to expect yeah and lyrically it's very i'll just straight up say how hard to follow what a lot of these things are little bits and pieces of words make sense but it's very hard to get a real handle on it but one of the things i noticed is we just in that first verse in a bit is all of these little hints and breadcrumbs that lead into the next uh, the album, like various titles yeah, of other yeah, songs in the album are that. dropped. And just this idea of like, yeah, pearls and boiling water and cups. And the fact that like we're in California, we're going to talk about San Diego and Long Beach and all of this stuff is just, they really put it out on the table really quickly. And that's sort of charming as well. Like we're not going to make you wait. <laughs> yeah. So, and her, as you say, unhinged is, I think, a good way to put her voice that she's not afraid to take it to a place where it's not very pretty, but it's almost more compelling. I wouldn't say that. Just it's really soaring and it just kind of dances over these, the instrumentation. That, That is for sure. It is mixed very high, but I feel like it's, she's able to kind of be like, I think almost intentionally slightly out of tune with the rest of the band. And like, I think it's more effective that, it's like it's really sweet and then there's like a little bit of sour in there and it's not they're not just 
being pretty, even though her voice is pretty exceptional. Yeah, her voice is incredible, and that's what makes this band. I mean, she's been compared to Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine, and, you know, she also reminds me a little bit of Angel Olsen and also Nico Case with just the full-throated wailing. Yeah, but I, I like, with a few exceptions, that there's she's not able i'm not i didn't really feel like oh this is her quoting some other oh yeah it's style. really it's, unique it is distinct, and it's uh, yeah. it's an incredible voice so she really lets it go on the next song that we'll play which is the title track called super giant song on the record it's just so catchy and when we were preparing to do the podcast i just found myself coming back to this song again and again although that's not saying every song on this record is great i i had trouble deciding what not to talk about yeah i i like this one because it is so inviting and yeah it has that just booming anthemic chorus and at the same time i think it's it's less than three minutes long and yet structurally they're doing so much interesting stuff with the song where it's like first chorus and then this thing that sounds nothing like the verse coming into the second chorus and then it just by the end we then that entire first verse never comes back Mm -hmm. and we just go off to these other world of uh so you know that first verse i feel like is very kind of concrete and to me, like this sort of stereotype of a first album of like, oh, we need to be artists. I just need to sing. I want to sing to everyone. I want to sing to the sun, even though I get burnt to a crisp. And then by the end, it gets so much more kind of spiritual about like, I'm, I've seen the the face of God and it's really getting beyond that sort of small ideas of like, oh, we're a band and we have to make music to let's stare at the divine and let's do that all within three minutes. Yeah, Natalie Carroll, who's the singer and writes, she wrote all of the songs on this record except what for one that she co-wrote with one of the other band members. And she said in an interview that Supergiant was, the idea was about, you know, she had been thinking about how we're all made of stars and that Supergiants are the stars that burn fast and bright. And so, you know, the song is about that we're all Supergiants here on earth, which is really kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and and it also ties into a lot of the, the, you you pointed this out, a lot of the songs on here touch back to the idea of being artists and what it is to be an artist. And she's from Little Rock, Arkansas, and she's lived in L.A. for, I think, seven years now. Well, yeah, the L.A. thing is kind of interesting because she, you know, the song is sort of such about kind of big 
a big sound and big ideas. And, and yet the video is just like her riding in a cab around those most generic parts of LA. And it must be really interesting trying to make kind of special music in a city that it's you can kind of get lost in like that. And they've been around for this band has been around for a little while and they did a tiny desk concert for with Bob Whalen on NPR 2 years ago. And so and they've been touring a lot and in fact they lost one of their band members because he decided to have a baby and just couldn't tour like that. And so it's it's I'm surprised that they've t- taken that long to get traction because or at least to get a first record out because they're so good. And I'm sure it must be it must be tough to be just making your music and knowing that you're good and believing in yourself, but still just living day to day. And well, yeah, if you're in a big music town, it's like, oh, it's a great place to get noticed. Except there's a million other bands trying yeah. to get noticed, and it takes a while. But they, it seems like they're finally doing it, and we get this great album out of it. Yeah. So the next the next song we'll play is certainly the title is also suggestive of that. We need to be artists. It's called Chasing the Muse. So put the record, put the record on each night might be another case of subverting expectations because the title chasing the muse yes that's an artist but i think here it's that more about her mindset of trying to be an artist while also being in the world relating to other people and they may not be chasing the muse they may just be drinking too much or and it's not you know not totally clear what's in here but it's just that sort of notion of getting by in the world and wanting to focus what's on on what's important when there's so much noise. I like that line of, you know, put the record on and turn the TV down. Yeah. And I feel like the way the guitar works goes well with that. If that's the thematic intent, it's this sort of spiral staircase (laughs) that goes up and up and up. And her voice, her voice and the sort of sound structure also move in sort of a circular pattern. It loops back around and it amps up in intensity each time. And I really like the way that it just sort of circles around like a hawk. Yeah, her voice really comes into its own and has this kind of warble that is just 
enough to be distinctive without just overwhelming your enjoyment of the music. And you're right that structurally there's sort of verse chorus and then this other thing that's even more of a chorus than the first chorus. Mm -hmm. And we kind of loop in and out of those. We all, uh, we played was sort of the middle towards the end of the song there. Yeah, well, we get that great guitar solo and you hear, hear uh, Sean Maroney's uh, is the lead guitarist there while Natalie Carroll is playing rhythm guitar. And I think they both are playing really well. You get a sense of that you both are shouldering the load and even the bassist who is... Uh, Neil Wogenson and I think he's doing solid work here and then let's just name the last member of the band who is Mike DeLuccia on drums and I think he's not as flashy but just really holds it down nicely and I, that solo is such a great chance to hear all of them on their instruments just doing good work and it's on some level part of me says like oh it's innovative well no but it's really well done and it's such a great frame to let her voice really shine yeah and so the next song we'll play was, I think she said was the first song that was written that appeared on this record and they played it on their Tiny Desk concert two years ago. So it's been around for a while, but she's been perfecting it and it's called Ride. Carol's voice really dominates this sound but I thought this was a good selection to play from Ride because I think it illustrates how the other musicians really bring a lot to the table too and the way that they this is very kind of all in and very loud in parts and then just really pulls back to kind of manipulate your emotions and let the song go along at a natural pace that is very satisfying yeah, well, I like that it's got this kind of almost jazzy vibe mm -hmm. to it at parts and that that's then countered with this very pop sound. And I, know I talked about Natalie Carroll having a very distinctive voice. I felt like she rocks out some melisma in that first bit we listened to that she nails, but it's also very evocative. It's just like, hey, is Natalie Merchant in the room? What just happened? Because it just, she really sounds so much like that, but does, it's like an amazing knockoff. So good for her. But then that's contrasted 
being so kind of familiarly pretty, but then just going incredibly trying to fill the entire room with just the power of her voice in those choruses where she's just, I got to let it ride. And it's, it slows down and they're just not in a hurry. And it's almost uncomfortable because it's just the intensity of emotion is so high and they're not in a hurry. It's just, it kind of lingers in the air. Yeah. I I don't have anything more about to say about it. it. It is just, it's a really beautiful song and it really, I think captures the essence of her what she's trying to project as an artist it just really is so full of emotion and her voice is so strong and the the musicians are just so right there with her i think this is really it's just a really great song so the next track we'll play is called gems and rubies and see if you recognize the beginning If you're familiar with the Cowboy Junkies version of Sweet Jane, which is not exactly a cover, it's a little bit different, it makes me wonder whether someone told her that they sound a little bit like the Cowboy Junkies or that this song did, and so they decided to insert that little direct quote at the beginning, which I found very charming. Well, what I find interesting about this is this is the song that's most explicitly, I think, about, I need to sing, I love to sing, I love music, it's all I can do. And I, and I like that it's the song where the rest of the band gets the most out of the way. And the most distinctive part of that instrumental is just that guitar line that's taken from someone else. Mm-hmm. And the drummer just seems to be have a tambourine, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so understated. And I, I like it. If the entire album were like this, it would be pretty insufferable. But mm-hmm. to have one song where it's just like, we're going to be super quiet and she's just going to sing her heart out. It's a, lyric- nice, it's a nice change of pace. And lyrically, I think it's just such a beautiful image of, you know, kind of the pain of being an artist and recognizing that, you know, you have gems and rubies coming out of your mouth because your voice is so beautiful, but you're still just kind of living hand to mouth and you're not getting rich off of this. And it's, yeah. it's sort of like the world doesn't reward artists in yeah. 
a way that's commensurate with what they bring to it. Yeah. And there's this insecurity where she's just like, I want to reach out and be this powerful voice, but am I going to screw up? I'm going to sing an anger. Am I going to sing another broken tune? It's just so like, even as good as and a powerful a singer of this has her doubts, but she has to power through them because what else is she going to do? And so I think it's, it's really inspiring and to be like, yeah, someone who's good still has doubts. And the way you be great is to power through those doubts. It's also, I think this is the fifth song on the record and it comes at a nice place because so many of these songs are so upbeat and powerful. And then it's just kind of this quiet place right in the middle of the record. And so we're going to skip over the next two songs, which are also very kind of poppy and upbeat and play the next song after those, which is called Two of Cups. one just to that this section we played includes that uh, a little bit of a bridge where the rest of the band gets in on backing vocals and there's not a lot of that but when you have this sort of wall of ba- of almost a choir backing her up and it's so much more powerful this song i just i, I really like it's sort of chaotic structurally mm-hmm. it doesn't really settle down there's this first verse that's completely repeated and I'm loath to do research, but I at least searched tarot two of cups online to just get a sense that it seems to be about kind of when a relationship is sort of exciting, but also new and uncertain. And there's really the, that kind of unsettled notion here. Uh, a lot of the lyrics are kind of vague and confusing, but I like that sort of notion of is there gravity or is there magnetism? Because of course, magnetism can both attract or repel. And so I I like that there's that. So that sense of excitement, but also a little bit of uncertainty and fear. And it's really pretty. I just, I've wanted to play this song from the the very beginning, which we didn't have quite enough time to do. We come in after the first verse, but I love the way that the song really just slowly builds and ramps up into almost a wall of noise where we faded out there with the backing, with her vocal and the backing vocal and the noisy guitar. And it's almost like if you're trying to analogize that it's about relationships, that that's kind of how it can go with a relationship too. Yeah, it starts off so clean and then things get messy, exciting, but messy. Mm-hmm. So after that bit of excitement, we'll go into this next track, the penultimate excuse me, penultimate track. It's called Carolina.
the name of this band was originally Valley of the Queens, which Natalie Carroll had read about. Apparently, there's a an area in Egypt that's analogous to Valley of the Kings, where many of the kings are buried, buried, and this is where many of the queens are buried. I don't know if that's true or not, but she liked the name and then kind of shortened it to Valley Queen, which also kind of goes along with being an L.A. band and you're near the valley. Yeah, it's a really great kind of mystical evocation of the name of the band. I just love the, you know, came out of the valley where I learned my name Mm -hmm. and that it's not totally clear what's up, but it's just, it has this, it just feels like kind of this claim of some kind of mystical power. And yet it's just Carolina repeated. And yet as it builds, just like she was the Valley Queen, like anybody taking that power wherever you come from. And you know, this song, I did appreciate also that even as she's claiming her power, I think this is one of the few songs where the drummer, Mike Delucio, is really able to just to cut loose and some of these solos towards the end of the song, which is great. And he's really good. So, you know, this song is a, the penultimate track going into the end of this album. And, you know, I, I think on the first listen, I was a little skeptical of this album and it really has grown on me. She has this distinctive voice that initially it took me a little while to warm to it. And as I did, I really appreciated it. And then I, what, what seemed like fairly, like the songwriting didn't seem that distinctive and the, the instrumentals didn't seem that distinctive. And yet, as I spent more time with them, these nuances kind of came to the fore and it's just the sort of album that does reward repeat listens in a way that uh, I really appreciate. Yeah. For me, it was one of the most, it's been a long time since I've listened to a debut record like this from a band I've never heard of and immediately was caught by it. And as I listened to it over and over, I did like it more, but just, I felt like her, her voice demands attention and it really grabs you from the very beginning. And so I, I strongly recommend this album. You can get it on Bandcamp and it's just a really great listen. They, they have a opportunity to appeal to a very broad audience. It's kind of like yeah, a this, Fle- Fleetwood Mac kind of sound that has a broad popularity. Yeah. It's, you know, I, it's weird because I do think her voice is kind of interesting, but I think in a way that people will warm to it pretty quickly and so yeah i think a lot, some of the stuff we listen to i don't see having a broad appeal and these guys for sure are not in that group and the last song that we'll go out with is the last song on the record and it's called highway pearls and i think it was a great choice to end the record because it has this kind of the guitar feels very spacey and atmospheric and it has this kind of feel of looking out into the distance and i hope that distance includes making more records because i really like this so we've been discussing Valley Queen's debut LP called Supergiant, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. I won't hang my head on another wish or a prayer, but I'm going up to San Francisco, and I hope to see you there. See you there Or are we at a time